Hey guys, welcome to the Frontline Community Church Podcast. My name is David Dorner, and I am the teaching pastor here at Frontline in Grand Rapids, Michigan, and it is so good to be with you. Our mission in this world is to see zero people unchanged by Jesus. So whether you've been following Jesus for a lifetime or if your journey's just begun, we hope that this message will speak powerfully to your heart, that it will reveal something that God desires to cultivate in your life, and that you'll be drawn to the person of Jesus as a result. We hope these next few moments encourage you, challenge you, and inspire you to be who God has created you to be. We hope you enjoy it. Well, hey, good morning, Frontline. How are we doing today? Pretty good? Good. Well, glad, glad to be here with you. Glad to have you in the room. Glad to have you that are watching online. Uh, I can't wait to jump in today, uh, but I have a significant realization uh, after preparing for today's message and starting off this brand new series called Estimate. Uh, this is a financial series. This is a giving series. Uh, this is a series that I was excited for until I started preparing for, and then I went, I'm not in a good place to preach this sermon. Uh, there's, there's a really kind of unique and close connection between our hearts and our money. And the significant realization that came to me this week was this, I would not choose Jesus to be my financial advisor. I don't know if you would. I don't know if you've unpacked that to that level before. Uh, I have a financial advisor. I spent a lot of time with him this week, actually, unpacking some of this, but then unpacking my life and how I handle my money and my finances. And I tell you what, how Jesus talks about his money and how I prefer to handle my money are two different things. Therefore, I probably wouldn't choose him. I mean, I, I've thought about this, like sitting down in a one-on-one, you know, like for those of you that have a financial advisor, you know what it's like walking in and you sit down and they ask you all the questions and what are your goals and where do you want to be and where, what, what's long-term look like? What's retirement? How do we get there? I can imagine sitting down with Jesus and going, Jesus, I'd like to retire someday. And he'd go, no, nope, that, that doesn't really fit. Well, Jesus, I, I'd really like a, a new car or a bigger house. I'd like more stuff. I'd like a, a financial cushion. And he, he'd go, I'm your cushion. Going, I, I think I'm going with somebody else. I, you're making me uncomfortable. We haven't even started yet. This is some of, the, some of the unpacking that I've done this week in my heart, and I can't wait to get in because there, there's a real richness here, not to use the word as a pun, but there's, there's a real richness in the text that we're going to unpack today. And I believe Jesus actually has something for you, and he doesn't want something from you, but there, there's this important thing that so many of us believe that we're going to have to unpack. We have to acknowledge that we believe this and operate this way before we can really lean into what God wants to do inside of our hearts. And the belief is this, we often overestimate control. We overestimate our ability as individuals to control and manipulate and decide where our money goes, where it's stored, and what we do with it. We overestimate our control and underestimate what a healthy soul actually looks like. Because they're opposed to each other. That the healthiest soul actually hands over control of the thing that we love and care about most, the thing that provides security, the thing that provides independence. God says, no, 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 you find your dependence on me, you find your security in me. We're going to unpack this together, but here's the thing. I, I want to acknowledge maybe some hesitation uh, or resistance that's probably in the room because for many, many, many years, I sat in your seats and I remember financial series going, I, you have an agenda. You want something from me. So some of you in the room, you might think this. You might think the church just wants my money. Some of you, you don't have to nod. You don't have to say amen. I already know, okay? So you may say, hey, the church just wants my money. We don't. We don't. But, but let's keep going, right? We're on a roll. How about this? God just wants my money. Maybe you're not a Christian. 
Maybe you're not a believer. Maybe you say, this is why I don't come to church. This is why I don't have a relationship with God, because he just wants something from me. He doesn't. But we'll unpack that. What about this? Some, some of you say, other people just want my money. There's other people in my life. There's, there's friends, there's coworkers, there's, there's that one neighbor that says, hey, in a trouble, in a situation again, can you help? Some of you say this, the government just wants my money. It's tax season. You feel that? The government just wants my money. Some of us, though, right now, they're just printing money. That's an oxymoron. How about this last one here? My kids just want my money, right? You've seen those funny videos, like treating your parents as an ATM. They just want me for my money. You know what's funny? I was thinking about this. There's somebody that wants your money more than anyone, and it's this. Have you seen these? I did a lot of preparation this week. And I kept thinking of these awful commercials with fake actor dogs in jail <laughs> that said, I need you. Let's put that last slide back up. <laughs> Do you know what all of these have in common? I mean, for real. You know what all these have in common? My money. Do you know who wants your money more than anybody? You. You want your money more than anyone. And we have to get to a spot in our hearts where we can acknowledge that that's true. Because most of us don't want to admit that. Most of us don't want to go there. Most of us, there's so much resistance, you go, Ugh! don't want to admit that. Not true. Not to, I, I want it for my family. I want it for my kids. I want to leave a legacy. I want to leave an inheritance. I, want to, I, I have all these good intentions. The, the true fact is this. Most of us want our money more than anybody. One of the greatest theologians, actually at the start of, or, or he helped found the Wesleyan church, which is who we're a part of. John Wesley, he actually said this. They, re, they recorded it when he said it. He said, it's not how much of my money will I give to God. Catch the my money but how much of God's money will I keep for myself? There's a really important truth today, and that is this. Your money is not your own. Your life is not your own. Jesus says, I bought you with a price, and it cost me everything. So if God doesn't want our money from us, then the other camp we must be in is God must want something for us. And that's what we're going to unpack today. So if you have a Bible, open your Bible. We're in Luke chapter 12. If you're watching online or even here in the room, we have words on the screen for you. But it starts like this. Uh, someone in the crowd said to him, there's a crowd of thousands of people. They're gathering around Jesus. And someone in the crowd runs up and he says, teacher, talking to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Time out. Temptation number one today for you. I'm, I'm going to interact here as we go line by line. The temptation for you in the room and watching online is this. This message isn't for me. It's for my mother-in-law. That's who it's for. It's for my cousin. It's for my brother. It's for my kids. It's for my husband. He needs to hear this. The temptation here is going to be listen to the sermon for the sake of someone else. You're going to point them in this direction. And the sermon today is for you. The sermon today is for you. This man comes out. Tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Uh, scholars think he's probably the youngest brother whose father just died, which meant in that time the older brother was in control of the estate, and this little brother had already decided what Jesus ought to do. 
He said, here's what's right. Split the estate so I can get my money and do what I want with it. And look how Jesus interacts with it. Jesus says, man, who appointed me as judge or as an arbiter between you? Who put me in that spot? Who said I can do that? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. There's that nasty word that none of us want to admit or acknowledge is actually in our heart. Watch out for all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Greed is very very sneaky. And it can take root in your heart for years or decades, and you may not even realize it. Jesus says, watch out. Watch out. Because he knows that money and that greed have a very close relationship with your heart. Jesus, as he's leading up to this passage, is saying to all of his followers, he's saying to this crowd, he's saying to the people, he's talking to the religious leaders, he's saying over and over and over and over, watch out, watch out, watch out, Satan is going after your soul. Watch out, watch out in a number of different ways. But then he turns this one and says, watch out for greed. It's one of his biggest tools. It's one of his biggest tools in our country. Watch out. Let's keep reading. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Jesus starts off the story. Many of us have probably heard this story. We know where it's going, right? It's going to talk about barns and building barns and rebuilding. Before you even get there, though, it's so easy to miss a couple of very important facts. First one is this. The ground of a rich man produced. In ancient Israel, uh, the ground, everything attached to the land, everything attached to an abundance, everything attached to harvest, everything attached to like income was associated not to the person who received, but to the person who provided. Who would that be? That's God. Ancient Israel would read this and they go, the ground, I know what that's code for. That's code for God. God gave this certain rich man an abundant harvest. God is mentioned twice in this passage. This is the first time not yet by name, but you'll see him later. And then it says he it yielded an abundant harvest. I wrote this down. The word abundant, if you define it, uh, find it. Maybe I won't define it. Abundant means an extremely plentiful or oversufficient supply. Too much. More than he needed. God said, I, I know what you need. I know what you need. I know what you need. I see your heart. I see your life. I know you have to eat. I know you have to live indoors. I, I, I know all these things about you. I'm going to give you extra. So it says the ground produced, God produced, God gave an abundant harvest. And so this man thought, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Catch, I mean, it's so hard sometimes. Scripture just sucks you in. Wouldn't you love to be that man? God blessed him so abundantly, it created a problem. I have no idea where I'm going to store this. I have no idea how I'm going to house this. I have no idea how I'm going to take care of this. I, I, you've created a problem for me, God. You've given me too much. So what am I going to do with it? Let's read the next passage. 
Then he said, this is what I will do. We're going to count, okay? We're going to count the number of times he refers to himself in this one passage. He says, this is what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I will store my, there's number five, surplus grain, and I will say to myself, and then this one's a trick one, he says you, but he's talking about himself. So we're gonna count that as number eight. You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Eight different times. I, 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 I. He is so engulfed with himself and he has made such a significant mistake that what God gives him is only for him. And greed is crazy because greed blinds you to the needs of others around you. This is what I need. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to take care of. This is what I have my, my plans, my purposes. I, 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 and he becomes so selfish. And so he, now he's, he starts going, okay, I, I need to build bigger barns, not because I need them, but I'm building bigger barns to house all of this extra because I need to control that. What kind of barns do we have in our world today? Most of you aren't building barns in your backyard. But you know what's really interesting? Our barns have turned virtual. Think about that. We have Roth IRAs, 403Bs, 401Ks. We have match programs through work. We have Social Security. We, we have so many things that, that we put money into, that we pay into, and we can't see it anymore. Right, you can't see dollar. I was trying to think, like, are those really barns? Yeah, because what's the alternative? You just start hoarding cash at your house. Why, why wouldn't you do that? Well, it's unsafe, and, and, and it could decay. What if I have a fire? What if a thief steals in and, and breaks in? The same reasons is why you would have to build a barn in ancient Israel. You would build that to keep it separate, to keep it secure, to keep it safe, to keep it ripe. I mean, you would build these things to save and protect it. We do the exact same thing, except today it's virtual and our barns are not limited by physical capacity anymore. Which means we may have so much extra, we'll never even feel it because you don't have to build a new barn. We got more and more and more and more. This is very convicting for me. You know that? You might feel convicted. That's between you and God. This is convicting for me. I think like that. I manage money like that. I worry about things like that. I want to be able to provide for my family and myself with my goals in my desired future, I, man, how many times did I say that? That's what I want. What if God has something better in mind, not for the sake of material possessions, for my soul? Let's read the last part. But God said to him, uh-oh, you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. 
That's convicting. That's convicting. God says, <laughs> sorry, read this. You didn't just make a bad decision. You're a joke. Life has been all about you, and you have missed it. You have missed it entirely. And this man is thinking he's got this abundance. He's going, I'm never going to work another day in my life. And God says, you're right. You're dead. Think about that. There's so many people that I've talked to as a pastor in my role the last few years who have said, man, I, I want to store up treasure. I want to store up money right now. I, I'm sacrificing my time right now for money so that later in life I can sacrifice money for my time. So, so someday I want to serve the church. Someday I want to be generous. Someday I want to support missionaries. Someday I want to get involved in foster care. Someday I want to help orphanages. Someday I want to help the poor and the struggling all over the world. Someday I want to do that, but I'm going to push that off, and I'm going to wait until I'm good. And what God says is he made the same mistake. Someday may not ever come. And God says, you fool. You've lived life all about you, and you missed it. This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Simple question for you right now. Are you rich toward God? Are you rich toward God? Maybe not. Maybe you're fair. Are you fair with God? They're going to get more convicting as we go. Are, are you cheap with God? This is West Michigan. I didn't grow up in West Michigan. There's a significant population here known as the Dutch. You know what my saying has been? I'm not Dutch. I could fool you. Have you been cheap towards God? Last question. Have you cheated God? Have you cheated him? If you're a follower of Jesus, God doesn't just ask for 10%. He asks for everything. He, he said to his disciples, this was his sales pitch, hey, come and die. Come and die. Not, not come and give 10%. Not come and give 30. Not come and give 50. Come and give 100. And not just of your money, of your life. Come and die. That was Jesus' sales pitch. Man, as I've wrestled with this this week, do we make the mistake of thinking following Jesus is free? Because it's not. It costs us everything. So here's a significant question. Why is that so hard for us? As I was reflecting, as I was thinking about this for myself, I... I thought, okay, well, here, here's why I manage my money. Here's why I do things with, with my stuff the way that I do. It takes me back to a time when I didn't have enough. It was a horrible time. It, it was fear. It, it was, you know, I grew up in a family. My dad was a pastor, so we never really made a lot of money, but we moved in 2008. So you remember that, what that happened and, and the stock market. And so my family carried two mortgages at the same time. I remember being a kid and like struggling to ask for shoes. Like the, and, and they were worn out. They were the $25 Meyer shoes that I could get that I just beat them to a pulp and they'd be falling apart and I would hate to ask, but I'd finally work out and just, can I please get shoes, please? And so I felt guilty. I felt this weight and I went, I don't ever want to do this to my family. I don't ever want to be in this position 
ever again. And so I, I transition. I, I have this process, right? This is what my process looks like. I, I go from meeting needs, here's the needs that I need, to providing a small safety cushion, to falling into the comparison trap and noticing what everybody else around me has and what I could work for or what I could do or what I could acquire. And then I move that to just pure greed. I want something and I don't even have a reason for wanting it. I just want more of it. God has asked me this question over the last few months. I could feel it. Like, oh man, I'd love to make this or earn this or save up this or store up this. And the question goes like this, what are you gonna do with it? I don't know, I'll figure it out when I have it. That's just greed. That's just greed. But it didn't look like greed. Didn't feel like greed. Greed feels convicting. This felt good. This felt wise. Why is it so hard for us to release control? I think for this reason, I'm just gonna speak personally. I don't trust anybody else to take care of me as good as I can take care of me. God's very nature fights that. Says wrong. I think about my toddler, my two-year-old Judah. I just love him to pieces. He cannot take care of himself if his life depended on it. Just saying. He'll be electrocuted. He'll have a sugar rush and pass out and get diabetes. He'll, I, I don't know. I, I do a better job of taking care of him. But he doesn't think that. He doesn't feel that. That's how God feels about us. I can do such a good job of taking care of you. Not just your material and physical needs. I can take care of your soul. If you will release control, this thing that we've built up and we've overestimated, if you can release that to God, God says, hey, 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 don't underestimate what I can do through a healthy soul. Change your life. Change everything. If you will learn to depend on me. Let's keep reading here. This is later in the passage. We're gonna skip a couple of verses. Luke 12, verse 32. Jesus says this, and hear the compassion in his voice. He said, don't be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. That doesn't sound like God is holding back. That sounds like God is giving and giving and giving. Jesus says, your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions. And give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Here's my question. Have you overestimated control in your life? Like think, where's your treasure? Where's it stored right now? Is it in retirement? Is it in the stock market? Is it in social security? Is it in your job? Is it in your savings account? Have you overestimated control in your life? Here's the next question. Have you underestimated a healthy soul? One of the most important truths in this entire message is this. Your material stuff will eventually lose all of its value. All of it. I was looking through pictures. I thought about using them, but, but I didn't. I was looking through ancient Israel and, and their jewels. You wouldn't pay 50 cents for them today. 
We're not even talking out of this world into eternity. We're just talking in this world separated by a little bit of time. Some of the stuff that they coveted and they longed for and they worked for and they stored up these treasures, they're just worthless. They've decayed, they're ugly. The things we can do today aren't what they could do back then. I mean, they've just lost value. Are the things that you're putting your heart and your soul in today, will they have value a thousand years from now? Because that introduces the idea of material and physical possessions or spiritual treasure that God asks us to trust him with. To take what we have that has value today and put it into something that will have value for eternity. That's the call. That's the invitation. That's what Jesus demands of his followers. Have we underestimated a healthy soul? So many of us, we try to put a foot in both worlds. We say, Jesus, you have 90% of my life, and the 10%, I'm just going to make sure, just in case you don't do what I think you're going to do, I'm going to control. Jesus says, that, that really doesn't work. I want 100%. Don't underestimate a healthy soul. I talked about this just a couple weeks ago. The most valuable thing that you provide any context anywhere is a well-ordered soul. Don't underestimate that. Don't underestimate it. How do we store up treasure in heaven? That was my biggest question. I went to Matthew 25, and Jesus actually articulates a number of different groups of people. And he literally says, when you give to these people, you give to me. This is, this is treasure in heaven. This, this isn't part of the tithe, which we're going to talk about later in this series. This isn't part of the tithe. Jesus says, this, like, you're extra you're extra after a tithe, after offering, after everything. Jesus says, this is, this is extra. This is where you put your extra to these people groups. First one is this, the hungry and the thirsty. I've learned so many of us, we go, I don't see any hungry or thirsty people because we've insulated ourselves from them. We don't read those emails. We don't go to that part of town. We take different routes. We have highways that are designed to get us right through areas we don't actually want to be. There's hungry and thirsty. There's strangers and refugees. I don't care what your political opinions are. Frankly, it doesn't matter. Jesus says when, when there's strangers, when there's people who don't have a home, when there's people moving place to place to place, when there's people running, fearing for their lives, you take care of them. That's what Jesus calls us to do. We take care of them. Here's another one. Poor and naked. Goodwill. That's a super easy one. There's a lot of people that can't afford clothes, and there's a lot of us that have way too many of them. If you're like me, you wear the same five things anyway. You've seen this before. <laughs> How about this one? The sick and the hurting. There's a lot of sick people right now. Do your dollars reflect that you care about them? Do you provide meals for them? Do you help provide health care for them? Shannon, my wife, is a nurse. She works at the hospital. Uh, and she says one of the coolest things that she sees, and I just can't wrap my mind around it. She says anytime we have an Amish family that's in there, they don't have health insurance. The entire community rallies money and supports it, and they come and they pay the bill in full. We don't do that as a church. It's embarrassing. I want to be a part of that. Jesus says, that, that's treasure in heaven. 
when you do that for one another, and then this last one here, incarcerated. Isn't it true? So It's so easy to forget about those that are locked up, those that are behind bars. We say, well, they made decisions. So did I. So did I. They got caught for a different type of sin, and they're in time out. Jesus says, don't, don't you forget about them. There's a ministry, the regional director of Forgotten Man Ministries goes here to Frontline. He's a dear friend of mine, and money is an issue. They need money to further ministry that's inside the jail. Where's your treasure? Where's your treasure? Is it building into eternal treasure? Or is it focused on a personal one? I've told you this probably, I think, a thousand times um, I'm not good at this. I met with my financial advisor, um, not Jesus, the other one. I met with him this week, and uh, it was so convicting. I went in thinking we we're going to be talking like a 10 and 20 and 30-year plan. And, uh, he goes to our church. He's probably watching right now. And I went and I sat down with him, and, and we just started talking. I said, I'm preaching this message this Sunday, and it's driving me nuts. It's like unearthing everything inside of me that I didn't know was there, but like deep down I knew a little bit was there, and then it's just gutting it. And you know what I'm so thankful for? I'm thankful that my financial advisor functioned in the role of spiritual advisor for me this week. He actually sent me a text afterwards. His text said this, I think the return on investment on a healthy soul is a whole lot higher than the returns you were getting on your investments. And we're getting is important because this week I had some that just plummeted. Plummeted. And it was killing me. And he's, he's ministering to me as I'm supposed to be getting up here and ministering to you going, he's going, David, healthy soul. Healthy soul. You're underestimating a healthy soul. I want to put this statement up. Letting go of your earthly treasure will do more for your soul than controlling it ever could. Some of you need to hear that. Some of you really need to hear that today. Right towards the end of Luke 12, that same passage, Jesus says this in verse 48. He said, from everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. Aren't you glad that Jesus doesn't handle salvation like we handle money? Jesus went, I'll sacrifice everything I have for you. I'll give it up. Jesus was king over everything, over the universe, the heavens, the earth, you, me. He's in his rightful spot and he said, I will give up everything, everything of value I have. I will pay for your crime. In the past, in the present, in the future, for all people, for all generations, forever, I will pay for that if they will accept that gift. Jesus poured himself out and bankrupted himself so that for eternity you and I might live with him. That's the kind of God he is. We can trust that. We can trust him. 
especially with our treasure. So for you today, here, I, I just wanna land here because there's a real good chance you need to change something in your life. I changed a ton this week and my goodness, was it hard, but, but I know there's fruit that will come later on a soul level. Here's number one, I just wanna encourage you, examine your own heart and ask someone else, I lie to myself a lot. Examine your own heart. <laughs> Felt like I came down the mountain to Shannon this week. I went, Shannon, I've been spending way too much time, way too much energy. I've just focused on these investments. This just had a piece of my heart. And she goes, I told you that like two months ago. You know, I blocked that out of my memory. Don't remember that. Examine your own heart. Ask somebody else that's close to you. Number two is this, make a change today. You'll talk yourself out of it by tomorrow. Trust me. Make a change today. As we learn from this story, you may not have tomorrow. Make a change today. Last one is this. Trade your treasure. Trade your temporary treasure. Trade the thing that you find security in. Change your possessions. Trade all of these things that, that you've acquired, that you've built, that you've surrounded yourself. Trade them for eternal treasure. Make a dent in eternity. God's invited us to be a part of that process. This is one of the greatest gifts he could have ever given us. Make a dent in the kingdom of God with your stuff. Father, we just come before you right now. This is a hard passage and a hard topic for us to unpack. Most of us don't wanna think about this. Most of us don't wanna do this. Most of us don't wanna let go. We have a number of wounds and trials and seasons that we can point to and say, but God, I don't wanna go back here. I don't wanna do this. I, I, don't wanna, I don't wanna let go, Father, I need control. Father, I just pray through your Holy Spirit that you would minister to us, that you would remind us how much you love us how much you care about us. Remind us, Father, that we can trust you even more than ourselves. Father, do a work in our city through the giving and generosity of our church that rivals anything this city has ever seen. Father, do a work in the hearts of men and women in this room. Get a grip of their souls. Help us release the chains of greed, of debt, of bondage of stuff. Father, release these chains that so weigh us down. Free us from those so that we can focus on you. So we can focus on your kingdom. We don't have forever, forever, Father. And yet sometimes we act like we do. We live like we do. Father, allow us to live and trade our treasure today to store up treasure in eternity in your kingdom. We love you. We're thankful for Jesus. We're thankful for texts like this that speak to our hearts and provide an avenue for healing that many of us didn't even realize we need. We love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen.